With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From a network of highly secure, top secret locations across South Texas, this is still the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined as always, by Express News beat writers Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne and Express News sports editor Nick Talbot. And the first order of business, I suppose, is to confirm that we still exist. Is that, is, has the Express News confirmed that Tom or, or Jeff, does the podcast still exist in the world? What's to say? I've been pondering my own existence for uh, 45 years now, so it's, uh, I still haven't come to any kind of conclusions. But as far as we know, this podcast has not been canceled. Uh, I don't know. What, what did you do? I don't know. It's just been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I see what the you're last saying. Time, the last time um, we met in from these secure locations, um, I believe we were talking about a play-in game that the Spurs were going to uh, – Try to triumph in, and uh, win? I don't. I, I don't know. We have if we have an update on that. Did, did the Spurs win the play-in game? How did that go? How did that go? And has anything else happened since then? Uh, I, I think they lost. Also, uh-huh. Tom reminded me yesterday about about the hat stool. So that was that's another thing that's happened since then. Oh, that's that's true. In new the the play-in game. Refresh my memory. Was in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was. As opposed to uh, New Orleans, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, it was a very difficult – the Spurs had a difficult trip in general. Uh, they did not prevail in the play-in game. Um, but even before then – and this is, this feels like years ago, decades ago. But Tom Ringo Orsborn learned that uh, it's very difficult to have a decent meal in New Orleans on what, a Tuesday night. Is that correct? It was a Tuesday night. Every everything was shut down. Uh, Tuesday night is the traditional day off uh, for New Orleans restaurants. At least the ones that I had accumulated a list of that I wanted to uh, to uh, share with you guys. The Arby's uh, was open, so we ended up in a so we ended up in a place where um, the uh, the waiter comes over and uh, says to Jeff McDonald, representing. South Texas representing our city, our state in this uh, in this city of culture, New Orleans, Louisiana. The waiter comes over and says, "Sir, would you like a stool for your baseball cap?" So he got a, he got a hat stool. It was pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> um, then the uh, then your your local cagers uh, did what everybody expected and and came up just a bit short against the Hornets, against the Pelicans. Showing my age there. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans uh, held on, and then we had a whole NBA postseason in which your Spurs did not participate. And now we're reconvening the week of the NBA first-year player draft, and uh, that's happening later this week. And I guess that's what we're going to discuss today. 
unless anybody has any better ideas. Tom, you've attended in, in this interim period between our last podcast and this and this podcast, you attended the NBA first year player draft combine in Chicago, Illinois. And so maybe you have some insight into uh, into what the Spurs are looking to do this week in the draft. Uh, yeah, they they did their due diligence as they always do. The big, the big news to me out of uh, Chicago was that one of the guys doing the interviews was one Manu Ginobili. Um, uh-huh. And he was very involved. And I was told that he was the whole, the whole affair fascinated him since he, he did not participate in it uh, during his uh, draft process. But, you know, Manu being Manu, he was curious about the whole thing and, Sat in on all the interviews. Um, did one with uh, with an Italian player where he discussed the uh, Italian player's contract and uh, yeah, the guys that were were super excited to meet him, the draft prospects, and uh, that just added a whole new flavor to the uh, Spurs combine experience. But yeah, they did their due diligence. They talked to the uh, usual suspects or are the suspects we we thought they would talk to and. You know, Jeremy Sohan, uh, uh, Johnny Davis, uh, guys of that nature. And uh, yeah, so it was it was it was a fun experience. It's been sort of amusing to me to uh, look out at the rest of the NBA over the past um, few days and weeks. And uh, every, every every day uh, you see pop up uh, 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 like a video. For the, I saw this morning a video from uh, Pacers open workout of. Shaden Sharp or whatever. It's like there are two very different NBAs. There's one in which um, the media comes and watches the draft workouts, you know, and 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 the, the, there's a there's a window for you know reporters to to take out their camera phones and say, hey, here's you know, name your guy. Six here's six guys working out for the 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 Los Angeles Lakers today or whoever. And the Spurs, none none of that. That like a, that that would be. Uh, I, I don't think you, we will ever see a video from Tom Orsborn of one of his three phones that he carries around of any mm-hmm. of them taking a taking a shot of, um, you know, uh, the uh, Jalen Dern or uh, or any of these guys coming by and and working out for your Spurs. So that, that there's just different philosophies in how open teams are, and the Spurs are always going to be one of the least open when it t- comes to sharing intelligence in the days and weeks leading up to the draft. And that could be, that could be frustrating for fans. It could be frustrating for podcasters, but that's just the way it is. It's the uh, statute of limitations run out on the old John Mason story. Can we tell that? Go ahead. This this comes from a old friend of the podcast, Mike Monroe, a story he told me a long time ago, uh, way back when the Spurs were, um, after a fellow called Jan Mahinmi. Remember that mm-hmm. guy? So yeah. this would have been about 2007, maybe? No, five. It was definitely 2005 because it was the Pre-day same debut. year same year the Spurs are playing Detroit. And and yeah. uh, when a newspaper covers the NBA Finals back then, you write stories about everything. So we had a reporter write a story about the uh, PA announcer in Detroit, Detroit at the Palace of Auburn Hills, whose name is John Mason. He was a big kind of peripheral story of that because I guess the nation had not heard him um, as much as they did during that seven game final. So our reporter writes something on, um, on the, the PA announcer called John Mason. And there's a headline in, in our paper, something, something John Mason. 
Um, now the other bit of the story is the Spurs also are so. This is why I'm telling the story. Are also so paranoid about people finding out <laughs> who they're after that they make up. Uh, they were making up code names for for guys. So Jan Mahinmi, since Jan is French for John, he was John, and they took the first two name two two uh, initial uh, letters of his last name M A and made up a different last name. So they had been calling him John Mason all uh-huh. all. <laughs> Bring long, like before the Spurs were playing Detroit. And so R.C. Buford picks up the San Antonio Express News one day and sees this headline about John Mason. And all of a sudden it has a small uh, aneurysm because he, <laughs> how did they find out that we've been calling and then reads the story and realizes it's a different John Mason. And so the point of that story is just the links they at least went to at that time to sort of cover their tracks and throw people off the scent. So, yeah, they're not inviting us to the, uh, to one Spurs lane there to uh, watch out, watch uh, whoever is working out for him on a daily basis. You you wonder how the Warriors have been able to be so successful with the opposite approach. Yeah. Uh, You know, you just wonder how that happens. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just a, um, a general frame of mind, a general mindset that kind of permeates from Mm -hmm. the, from, from the top down. And it's just the way Mm -hmm it's just a way of doing business. And yeah. uh, I don't expect people to change their colors, change their feathers overnight. It's just uh, different ways of doing things, but you can't say that, you know, the, 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 like a couple of years ago, the Warriors played the Raptors in the finals. And that was a meeting of the top two most open um, PR staffs in the league. Those, those were like the cream of the crop in terms of, uh, making people available and stuff like that. And it's, it, it just goes to show that there's not one right, right or wrong way of doing things, but being covert all the time doesn't necessarily guarantee success any more than being open does. Um, it's just different ways of doing stuff. I think the, the other um, tidbit, historical tidbit involving RC Buford opening up the San Antonio Express News involves another old friend of the podcast, uh, Dan McCarney, who didn't, did, didn't he one year peg the Spurs? Who was it that he pegged that the Spurs picked? It was a, I think it was another foreign player. They just, in the I, first round. Uh, Nicola, oh, I'm forgetting the last name. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to have to pull this name out today. It's, they, they just included him in one of the trades at the trade deadline. Um, oh, Multanevich. Mult- yes. Multanich. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dan McCarney Mul- had, had, had gotten actually. that. Molitanov. There you go. Uh, uh, Dan had, had gotten that right in the uh, in one of his mock drafts in the newspaper, and uh, and RC actually later joked about how impressed he was by that. that, that yeah, we I actually think so. got think, one right. I think I think when he came out, when RC came out to announce the pick, he said it's because that's who Dan wanted. He wanted they wanted to make Dan look good. So, uh-huh. yeah. But anyway, so this is just a long introduction to say that if you tuned into this podcast and there's no way that you did, if you listened to this podcast before, but if you tuned into this podcast, expecting a scoop on who your local cages are going to pick this week, you probably tuned into the wrong podcast. I'm sorry to say we can make some Uh, guesses though. We sure we can make some guesses to review the, the, the local cagers have uh, what has the potential to be their most action packed first round for most action pack draft maybe in history uh they own picks number nine number 20 number 25 in the first round i believe in addition to a, a second rounder um, that's correct so we can get into all of that um 
I will say as probably the one person on this podcast who watched uh, any amount of college basketball this year, um, these picks aren't like I, I, there's the, the opportunity to trade. There, there might be some wheeling and dealing. They might get the guy that guys are looking for. But in terms of the glamour guys, the guys I watched a lot of like these picks are sort of in between. Like yeah. um, uh, I would love the, the if the nine was a little higher or a little low, like I really like I, th- I always thought that like Keegan Murray at Iowa would right. have been a great spur. Um, even like. Um, uh, Benedict Matherin at Arizona, I think is probably going to go a little higher than nine. Uh, I, those would be cool spurs. Um, probably not going to get to number nine. Um, like I really like Mark Williams, the center at Duke. Um, and he's probably going to go lower than like he, he could be in Between the 15 20, type yeah. range. So um, it isn't perfect for some of the guys who, when, when I was watching college basketball this year thought, Hey, those those really could fit in with the local cagers. But um, I mean, the Spurs kind of go against the flow usually anyway. So there, there's probably a good chance that, that on all these picks, they could find somebody they really like uh, if they don't trade them. But does anybody, I'll, I'll open the floor if anybody has any hot draft takes, any guys they're the, looking at, any guesses they want to make. I think the question is going to be interesting on how they approach, approach it, and especially that first pick. I mean, that's, the, that's their first top 10 pick in a quarter of a century, so it seems like an important pick to make. And uh, as I've mentioned a bunch of times, they've used six straight first-round picks on guys 6'6 six, six or, or, or smaller. Uh-huh. Um, now, Derek White isn't there anymore, and Lonnie Walker might not be here after free agency, so maybe there is some room to take another guy but I, I to me the question is do you still go with the best talent you can find at that pick or do you start to look at we all we need to fill we need some taller some as we're rebuilding we need some young big men as well and do you kind of lean towards eh, maybe maybe you got to go with like a, a Jalen Duran or someone like that so to me it'll be interesting to see how they approach it and you can also if you don't if you don't get a 610 guy at nine maybe you get him at 20 or 25 but um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it'll be just interesting to me to see what the philosophy, what the approach is, um, really to the whole night. Well, a great, great example, I think is, is, you know, a, a need pick would be Duran, but, you know, Johnny Davis would be another a bold pick. You know, you, you have plenty of players that fit that mold like Johnny Davis, but, you know, he's got great upside. Seems like he'll, you know, that would be another bold pick that they would make. So it's that kind of question. Do you go with fit or another bold pick of a player you may already have, but you just can't pass up? I'm going to disagree yeah. a little bit in that. I okay. think Johnny Davis, I, I, Johnny Davis is probably of all the people mentioned for the Spurs. And this could come back to haunt me next week is the guy that I think least I I'm very down on that as being a Spurs pick. I think Johnny okay. Davis is a low, low upside. I, I don't see him becoming a star. And I think in, in the answer to Jeff's question, they're going to get size at some point. Jeff alluded to this. You could get size lower. You can get size somewhere. That, like that, One of their three picks is going to be a big guy. But the Spurs philosophy in general will be what it has been in recent years is you take a big swing because that's the only way you get a superstar in San Antonio is to draft him. And uh, I think that's why you stay away from 
Jalen Duran. You stay away from Johnny Davis because I don't see either of those guys becoming, they kind of are who they are. And mm-hmm. I don't think either of those guys are going to be the guy you dream on and say, Hey, this guy, this guy might not make it, but if he does, he could be something special. I think that is the philosophy. I'll bring up two names from recent drafts and they may or may not be success stories, but I think that's why your Spurs took Joshua Primo when they took him. Um, that is a high Delta, high variance type pick where if he works out the way they hope he does, like that's, he's got superstar in him. It, but he, there's also a huge percentage of his outcomes is he doesn't become anything. Um, and then the other one is Luka Samanich. Like that's why they took him there instead of like, uh, who was available there? Brandon Clark. Yes. Uh, so you can look back and say, Hey, they should have taken Brandon Clark. Who's a productive role player for the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, Brandon Clark is kind of, I kind of compare Brandon Clark's range of outcomes to like a Johnny Davis's range of outcomes where, you know, you feel, feel pretty comfortable that those guys are going to be productive role players for teams but I don't see like Brandon Clark was not going to become a superstar. And it's easy to say in, in retrospect, yeah, the Spurs should have taken Brandon Clark. And if they had to do it again, they would, but they took Luca, the second Luca, <laughs> because they thought if this guy works out, he could be amazing. You know, this, this guy with a seven foot body and all kinds of skills and you know, he could become incredible. And I think that's probably still the approach in a way is you stay away from, the sure things, at least with the number nine pick, maybe you can take more mm-hmm. of a, a high floor type person at 20 or 25. But I think with nine, you are going to shoot for the stars in a way and be willing as you did with, with Josh Primo there, you have to be willing to kind of be criticized for not taking the obvious pick there and, 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 and go instead for, for the guy with the, with a huge Delta, like I said. So if you go out that finger, who you think the, uh, that swing is, that's what I was going to ask. Fit that profile as well. Like dice, a dice and Daniels, if he's still there at nine, instead of, instead of Duran, instead of the Shane Sharps, even the AJ Griffin. One guy that Tom mentioned earlier, who he talked to in um, Chicago is Jer- I think Jeremy Sohan is that type of guy and that he's not there yet. I watched a little bit of Baylor this year and he did not scream top 10 pick when you watched him play, but he's got the skills. He's already one thing that makes him fit the Spurs profile is, is he's already a really, really, really solid defender, but like you look at him at the offensive end and there's nothing that screams, you know, he's ready to dominate in the NBA, but there's like that, that starter kit of athleticism. And if you squint, you can see a guy who can become a, an efficient outside shooter, see a guy who can get into the lane and finish plays like that. Like that is your, that is your, that's, that's the type of guy I'm thinking that could either make the Spurs look really smart in a few years for taking him, or he might like be out of the league in three years <laughs> or just be, you know, like a, like a role player type defender off the bench. Um, and then mm. like, like the flip side, like I'm not anti Jalen Duran, but I don't like, like he's just a solid to me, he's a solid big man type uh, who's going to guard the rim and finish, maybe, like maybe do like DeAndre Jordan type stuff. But pro- it, like he's not, I, I don't, and again, I'm not a scout. I'm not a GM. I could be talking out of my rear end right now. 
but I don't see like Jalen Duran becoming. Video. I'm pretty talented in places where I talk out of, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and and uh, like I I really a lot of people like Johnny Davis. I I just see there's too many echoes of like Derek White and just like, and I'm not anti Derek White. It's just you kind of I. I feel like when I watch Johnny Davis, I know what he's going to be, and it's fine. And it, and it, and it, he could be one of the more productive players of the draft in the in the long run. But I I don't see him becoming the superstar that I think the Spurs covet and and need. Um, but again, I'm I'm no just I'm no scout. Another swing for the fences kind of name I would throw out there. Might I'm probably butcher the first name, but it's uh this kid from France, uh, Usmani Jing. Yeah. Um, it's another that's another guy that you hear yeah you know just just not there yet probably will look overmatched if you're on an nba floor um you know this fall but just the collection of uh size and athleticism and ball skills um you know the nba is going where if you can find a, a 610 guy that plays like a guard um you're, you're you're doing pretty well for yourself and and he's he's another guy i mean you hate to compare um, you know, 19 year olds to, um, two time MVPs, but he's, he, he, it's kind of that Giannis phenomenon where it's, he, the guy comes over and he looks like he's about 12 and, but you can just see all the arms and legs and skills and eventually it, it could become something, you know, you know, the Bucks got Giannis at 15 and that's kind of what I think if you're the Spurs, you're, I mean, it sounds obvious, but that's what you're looking to do. You're looking to take a big swing on someone, um, at nine that could be the best player in this draft uh, has a chance to be the, to develop into the best player in the draft. Um, that was the Josh so, Primo philosophy. Yeah, like exactly. So, and, and that may or may not work out, but um, yeah, I expect them to do that again. And I do think that with three first round picks, if they make them all that at least one of them are going to be on like an Usman Jang or a, there's an, another Nikola, one letter uh, off from Jokic. There's Nikola yeah. Jovic, somebody like that. Um, they're going to take that type of swing, I think, with, definitely with one of those picks, if not more of them. I think you can do a combination of both, like you were saying. Yeah. Use some of the picks on, on you know, a Derek White type that's just going to be solid from the beginning and uh, yeah. solid all the way through and then take some swings. So uh, that's kind of the benefit of, of having, you know, three shots at this if, if they don't trade one of those picks. Have we ruled out moving up? We have not. We have not. We have not. And I, I you know, there. I think there are teams, um, maybe not in the top three or four, but I was going to say you're not going to get to the top five, four. But I don't think five, six, seven, eight range would be will. I've yeah, when I say I've heard, I've read that Portland is entertaining offers for, and that would that would be like if the Spurs really like someone that really like someone that they were is hoping that would. Uh, that they're hoping would, would fall to nine, but might not get there. You give something up just to move up one or two spots to get that guy. Um, I don't know who that guy would be, but I think that's definitely a possibility. You know, you, you package um, the, the nine pick with one of those lower first round picks, maybe a, a pick in the future year to let some, to move up a couple spots. Maybe that happens. Um, other, uh, we're not going to talk, this whole time about the draft because again, we're not the scouts, we're not the experts, but other names um, 
maybe lower in the draft. AJ Griffin's interesting to me. I'm I'm not sure that he's the pick at nine. He's had injury issues. I watched a lot of Duke this year. He reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Butler. Like I don't think he's going to become Jimmy Butler, but um, Jimmy Butler with like a a, a catch and shoot three point shot. Um, He would be interesting to me. Uh, Blake Wesley from Notre Dame maybe is an opportunity, an option in that 20 or 25 spot. And then if you want to go just high floor at 20 or 25, a guy who's ready to play probably is what he is, can be a spur pretty quickly. EJ Liddell at Ohio State. Um, Although I I figure if I throw enough names out on this podcast that (laughs) I'll get one of them right. Um, Ty Ty Washington. (laughs) Ty Ty Washington. He's another another name out there. Um, Anyway, there's there's lots of interesting options. we can also look forward to, since this ties in, um, Spurs are going to be making decisions this week about what their team looks like next year. And that will lead directly into free agency. And Jeff, you mentioned earlier, one of the names that's going to be um, part of the biggest discussion of the offseason, that's Lonnie Walker. And we've talked about him many times in this podcast before, but while we're making predictions here, is Lonnie Walker going to come back or not? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give us, I'm going to say a soft yes. He did enough late in the season to warrant that decision. I would say. I'm just kind of thinking it out as I'm, as it's coming out of my mouth. So I might, you know, the next time we do this podcast, I might, I reserve the right to completely change my mind, but I just feel like they're, they're, if you look at the the free agent market, there's just not a lot of guys you could see the Spurs really wanting to throw money after um, mm-hmm. that are going to come here. So it, it, I'm not saying, I mean, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a price point where no, we're not going to pay Lonnie Walker X, Y, Z amount of money. But if it, but I think you, you know, I think you can spend, spend some amount of money to bring him back and, and let him be part of this core. And I think he kind of towards the end of last year, last season kind of showed that he can be um i think he started to find his fit is what i'm saying his his nba niche he's he's probably not a starter a guy you're gonna throw out there and start but just a guy that comes off the bench and just sets stuff on fire um i I think he's really started to grow comfortable with that role i know he told me last year you know of course he would love to be an nba starter somewhere and whether or not that plays into his his decision making the season this summer I i don't know but um, I, th- I think he's a, he's a pretty explosive bench player. And I think, um, when you start looking around the, the, the free agent crop, um, at the guys, the Spurs could get, I don't know that they're really going to find a better player than that this summer. What it really boils down to, and I don't think this has changed at all since our live pot last podcast, since the beginning of last year, since Lonnie's been here, um, it's it's just cruel, cold math and that if the Spurs need his spot to sign a guy to a max contract, they have to right. let him go. Right. But if there if there's nobody willing, like that's that's the choice you make. And and I don't think this is going to happen. I think there's been reporting uh, this week that um, Zach Levine is looking more likely than ever to re-up with the Bulls, which always seem like the most likely outcome because the Bulls can offer him more than everybody else. But if like Zach Levine is saying to the Spurs that, hey, I'll come if you open up a max spot for me, well, then you 
to, to open that up, you have to say goodbye to Lonnie Walker. And you probably do that. And it's probably not complicated. Like as much as the Spurs love Lonnie Walker, as much as Lonnie Walker likes being in San Antonio, if you get a chance to sign another star like Zach Levine, and the, the way to do that is to open up that spot, then you open up that spot. But if it doesn't look like that's going to happen with Zach Levine or with any other uh, all-star type, that's a free agent this year. So if that option isn't there and it, and it becomes a choice of, Hey, do you re-sign Lonnie Walker or go find some Lonnie Walker replacement on the market? Like some other just backup type of guy. I think you stick with what you have. Um, I, I, in other words, it, like it sorts itself out. If, if there's no superstar coming here, if there's no big trade in the works, where they need to create space. I think he's probably Lonnie Walker is a good value for what he's going to sign for, um, which is to just to be a, a like you said, a, 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 a off the bench energy guy. Um, I don't see any team. Do you think any team in the league is salivating for the chance to make Lonnie Walker a starter? No, I don't um, think so. Probably no. not. And that's not, you know, it's, it. I think Lonnie Walker's role in San Antonio is going to be as, as significant a role as he'll find anybody anywhere. And, and so, like, and likewise, I don't think any team, I mean, and this is just, I don't mean this is any kind of slight against Lonnie Walker at all, but I don't think any team is salivating to just to throw crazy money at Lonnie right. Walker either. Um, which like that would be the only, that would be the only other reason you'd let him walk is if someone just offered him something outlandish. The Jonathan Simmons scenario where like, didn't, wasn't it Orlando who money yeah. with him basically. That's, yeah. Um, and Orlando didn't, really that didn't work out well for Orlando or anybody (laughs) yeah um so yeah I I think that's probably um the outcome we're looking at if if the Spurs aren't adding something huge where they need the money then it it makes sense for everybody to bring them back and I think that's good for Lonnie good for Spurs good for the Spurs um media contention because Lonnie's a just a delightful interview almost all the time and would love to keep talking to him over the years because, you know, he's good for us. Anyway, is there any, anything else we need to hit on before we part ways? Uh, there's a big, uh, I don't know when this, uh, when this um, podcast is going to be released into the world, but there's, there's a big press conference tomorrow. By the time this is published, we might know or published by the time this, this, this is, this reaches the, your, your devices, your mobile devices. Um, this person might have a New Jersey patch. Is that right, Tom? I mean, that is correct. Uh, yeah, sources indicate it's going to be a tech credit company replacing Frost Bank, which has decided to pivot. You know, they got the naming rights at the uh, Northwest, uh, the event plaza at the Northwest campus. So they decided to not do the Jersey patch anymore, which they've done since 2018. And uh, sources say it'll be a tech credit company that will replace Frost Bank on the Jersey patch. We, are we excited about this? Are we, can we do a whole special section about the Jersey patch? But not <laughs> crypto? There's, there, there's no crypto involved no in crypto. this, correct? Yeah. That's probably good. That's what we can do. How many best with the way crypto is performing right now? How long before they change the name of that arena in, the, in LA back to Staples? Well, it's not just that one. Both of the, I think both of the arenas in Florida are named after crypto companies. Well, did Orlando change theirs? Orlando's not Amway anymore. No, Orlando is named after a crypto thing. I think. Um, when did that happen? 
it's been a few years, Jeff. Well, been a few years. Well, we haven't. What? It's been a year or so. Last year, both Miami and Orlando were named after crypto stuff. We're going to look back on this period and 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 basically, well, we're not going to look back on this period in history. Like we're ever going to be able to look back the way we're all headed. Anyway. Um, <laughs> This is not the way we usually in the podcast. We we usually in the podcast on a much brighter note. Anyway, I just I just looked it up because I didn't know what you're talking about. But the uh, the uh, Orlando uh, the uh, arena in Orlando is still called the Amway Center. I'm not. I don't think you're right. I'm looking at the website for the Orlando Magic right now. Are you sure? Well, unless it's an old page or something. I, I looked it up as well, and I think that's. It told me the Amway Center as well. Maybe crypto's already left. They've already Maybe left. Crypto's the always already left. When when the I could have sworn there was a terminal. I've never heard of this. Just a mess down there in Florida. It is Usually, just a mess. As someone who graduated from college in Florida, it's always a mess down in Florida for one reason or another. <laughs> okay, well I stand corrected. And that's a good way to end this. You have to admit when you're wrong. I was wrong. I don't know what I'm thinking. Did I dream it? Did I dream it? You uh, have some weirdo dreams then if that's what you're dreaming about. I dream about the Orlando arena being named after crypto. But I will, I will try to serve an example for our listenership to swallow your pride, admit when you're wrong, tip your hat to your, those around you. Say, well done. You did your research. You got it right. I'm not going to stand in the way of factual evidence. I was wrong. And uh, I will admit it. Go on with my day. Go on with my week. And just vow to be better. Vow to keep learning. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, I will uh, try to follow my own advice, the advice of this podcast. Take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs> <laughs>